Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the podcast author or individuals participating in the podcast and do not represent those of iHeartMedia, Tenderfoot TV, or their employees. This podcast also contains subject matter, which may not be suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. Michel Pirot, nightclub owner, promised to make revelations about Julie and Melissa's kidnappings. Murdered shortly afterwards in a parking lot. Jean-Paul Tamignot, acquaintance of Dutroux, active in Charleroi car theft ring, told a friend he'd received important information about the kidnappings. Disappeared shortly afterwards in 1995. His severed foot was found a year later in a river. The rest of the body was never recovered. Bruno Tagliaferro, acquaintance of Dutroux, active in Charleroi car theft ring, Wife said he was asked to get rid of the car used to kidnap Julie and Melissa and that he feared for his life. Died under mysterious circumstances. Body was exhumed on order of Judge Conrad for testing. Posthumous autopsy. Death declared as murdered by poisoning. Fabienne Jopard, wife of Bruno Tagliaferro, claimed to have found important documents related to her husband's murder. Burned to death in a bed soaked in methanol. Declared a suicide. Guy Gobel, gendarme in Grasalonia, one of the very few gendarmes to obtain the confidence of the parents of Julie and Melissa, found dead with a bullet in his head the day Operation Othello started, declared a suicide. These are just five of the over 20 mysterious deaths surrounding the Detroux affair and additional reasons why many believe there are still powerful people involved who've never been brought to justice. is somebody who understands emotions. And I told them it is very exceptional that somebody abducts two children at the same time. To have been the end of it in 1986. But my God, it was just the beginning. I think Belgium was a paradise for perverts in those days. Welcome to Le Monstre. I'm your host, Matt Graves. After an investigation plagued by incompetence and cover-ups and a trial where the judge purposely avoided elements pointing to a larger conspiracy, Marc Dutroux was sentenced to life without parole, Michel Martin to 30 years, Le Lièvre to 25 years, and Michel Nihoul only got five years for criminal association and drug trafficking. The trial of the century was over, but the country would never be the same. 
The gendarmerie was discontinued as an institution and Belgian law enforcement was completely restructured as a direct result of this affair. Basically the equivalent of shutting down the FBI in the United States, if you can imagine that. Several ministers, police officers, and magistrates either resigned, were fired, or quit their jobs. And millions of Belgians felt their country had covered up or even participated in the worst crimes imaginable. The aftermath of the trial would provide little opportunity for healing as the judicial system would continue to fail the victims and their families. Michel Nihoul, after serving just a third of his sentence for drug trafficking, was paroled in 2005. In 2012, Michel Martin was given early release as well, paroled after just serving 16 years of a 30-year sentence. Although the conditions of her parole were strict, the public was outraged, again taking to the streets in protest. The victim's families were also stunned about her early release. The father of Anne, Paul Marshall. 30 years for me was 30 years. It was very difficult to accept. But now I have to accept 16 years. So you can uh, imagine what I'm feeling. Michelle Martin says that after years of psychiatric help, she is free of Marc Dutroux's influence. The crimes the pair committed made this country question itself. And it is questioning itself again now, as she enjoys freedom. Emma Murphy, ITV News, Brussels. In 2019, Michel Lelievre was released from prison despite appeals from victims' families and a protest in Brussels dubbed the Black March. He served 23 of his 25-year sentence. After his release, he moved to a neighborhood in Brussels, where it didn't take long for him to get recognized. According to reports, he was beaten up by a group of neighborhood kids. When Michel Martin was released in 2012, the terms were that she would be confined to the Clarisse Convent in Malone, near Namur, in the south of Belgium. After serving 10 years under strict supervision, she would be eligible for full release with no conditions. Just over a month ago, as the first episodes of Le Mans were published, Michel Martin was released from the monastery with all conditions lifted. She is a completely free woman today. Jean Lambrex, the father of Efia, said, quote, It's clear that she's guilty of much more than what the official and public version wants us to believe. She actively participated in several rapes by drugging the victims. She had a serious rap sheet before she even committed these crimes, yet she was still released early. This situation is very depressing, unquote. Mark Dutroux, still serving a life sentence, applied for a conditional release in 2012. It was rejected, but in 2013, he appealed the decision. His mother, who hadn't been heard from since the trial, spoke up again, saying, quote, Mark is not ready to be released because he's still trying to blame others for what he did. I'm certain that he will start again. He has no sense of reality. He's a repeat offender in his soul as he's already proven throughout his life." Unquote. Shortly after her statement, Dutroux's appeal was rejected. In 2019, he again applied for conditional release, which required an examination by a psychiatrist. When the psychiatric report concluded that Dutroux remained dangerous and had a psychopathic profile, his lawyer, Bruno Daillet, dropped the parole request, saying, quote, 
I must postpone my plans because proposing a credible reclassification plan with this diagnosis, I really don't see who will accept. Unquote. Daillet also made it clear that he would not give up on his efforts to free Dutroux. As I continue to investigate the loose ends of the Dutroux affair, the decades-long saga has reached the present day, and we're now breaking new ground. A listener of Le Monstre in Switzerland reached out to tell me about a woman named Annika Lucas, who shared her experiences with child sex trafficking in Belgium in a book published just a few months ago. I was able to interview her when she came to Europe recently. Annika explained to me that she left Belgium in the 1980s to go to the United States to escape a child trafficking network. She claims that this network involved Michel Nihul. I've been able to confirm some parts of her story. I know that she's indeed from Belgium and that she was certainly sexually abused as a child and that she escaped to America where she's been living since the 1980s. Yes, I was born in Belgium, in uh, Brussels, and my mother was single. And when I was three, she married someone in Flanders. Now, she abused me from childhood. I started uh, first with uh, and her husband, who had been taking me on little outings. There were always other children there. They took me the first time into what was an orgy. And that was a horrific experience. I was also, that same night, very graphically threatened to make sure I would never speak up. I wanted to speak to Annika because she claims to have direct experience with Michel Nihul way back in the 1970s. The boss of the network, um, he gifted me to an international networker and that man ended up taking an interest in me and taking me with him uh, to train me. Um, so I was nine years old when this happened and uh, taken him to different places in, on the East Coast in the United States um, to learn about that world. That year, 1972, taken to different places, especially Germany. Um, but still, even though I was gone the entire summer of 1972, I still would come back and go to school. I was from then on used in the network, by the Belgian network, mostly for um, the VIP guests that would come from then on. So 1972 to 1974, when I was rescued by someone from the inside. Um, it was really a last minute decision on his part. It wasn't meant to happen. I was in fact taken away to be tortured. That torture was led by the person I knew as the middleman for a lot of the orgies, uh, someone who was uh, very happy to brown nose with the VIPs and the networks. Uh, Michel Nihoul um, was in charge, was given, I was given to him. He was the middleman, so he was rather new. He, Probably I started seeing him maybe 1972, 1973, around then he started showing up. But very quickly he became sort of indispensable as the middleman. Um, that he dealt with the pimps, he dealt with the parents sometimes. If they were pimps, he dealt with the children. He arranged everything for the VIPs. He had no qualms. I, I got by 
try to survive a little bit by connecting to the human inside the man. Well, not, not with Nihul, it wasn't possible. It was not that there's no human there, but it was, he was so flat and his jokes were beyond cruel, you know? They were so empty, but oh, about the most horrific things imaginable. So, no way to get through. I couldn't get through to him, to have him as a person. Was he also involved in abuse? I saw him more like a business person arranging everything until um, for punishment. Nihul has me, I'm the one who's being punished, but other children are there as well. And so he is basically terrorizing us children um, beyond the imaginable in order to make sure that we will never ask the clients, in quotes, anything, the perpetrators, that we will never express any need of our own, that we will just be there and just shut up and just do what, you know, what we're meant to do for them. In 1973, Nihul would have been 32 years old. Annika described a horrifying experience that she says she suffered at his hands. What you're about to hear is extremely disturbing. And Nihul grabbed my arm like that and twisted it. And then he put a cigarette out on my arm, which is this um, scar right here. Yeah. And I want to show you because when you see it like this, it's circular because he had my arm like that. But when you stretch the arm out, as you can see, it's not, it's a line, it stretches out. Right. Um, I was taken away in a, into a separate little room, a secret room, I think, and uh, tortured. And f f four, I think four, uh, children who were also like myself in this network were taken also and had to torture me. So I was laid out and strapped down and then Nihul forced those children to torture me with various, there was a crate underneath this very large butcher's block, very old. Underneath was, was it like a, a crate, an apple crate or something which, which had various, you know, he gave a fish hook to one child, he gave a, a screwdriver to another child, he gave a penknife to another child, he gave um, well, various things along during the time that I was there and, uh, you know, forced them to, 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 to torture me, which clearly they did not want to do. Yes, and he, of course, participated. He, of course, was doing it too. And I understand that people don't believe me. And I don't, I don't take, well, I understand it. Because I think that if you allow this in, it's going to challenge your worldview potentially very strongly. You're gonna say the world is absolutely not what I thought it was. And you may sink into despair or a depression from allowing this reality in. So ultimately people have to do their own work to, in order to accept that this is true. And it is not, it, it may seem really hopeless when you allow it in, but it really is for the betterment of humanity to go through that phase yourself and to allow that pain in. 
Annika's point about allowing this reality into one's worldview resonates with me. Facing the reality of child sex abuse is so horrific and disturbing that most of us tend to just block it out of our thought plane. However, it happens every single day, and ignoring it only helps to perpetuate this awful perversion. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. It's almost here. The NYX anniversary sale starts this Thursday, May 9th at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. So mark your calendar this Thursday, May 9th for the NYX anniversary sale. Get 30% off all leak-proof underwear, shapewear, activewear, and more. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Don't miss this. Michelle Nihul's name has continued to pop up over and over again in this affair from several different accusers. To dig deeper, I spoke with one of the key journalists who initially investigated his possible involvement with Regina Louf and the other ex-witnesses, Marie-Jeanne Van Heeswijk. We, we realized quite quickly uh, that Nihul was involved with a lot of fraud before he was arrested in 96. It was uh, a big surprise that he had never been judged for the cases in the 80s. It wasn't until he was arrested in 96 that he was actually convicted for these past fraud cases. When Nihul was arrested in 1996 under suspicion of involvement with Dutroux's crimes, it was discovered that he had been investigated for a fraud case in 1989, but that charges had never been brought. Some people said, why is it that Nihul has not been judged in those cases? That's very strange. So we discovered but later that the judge for those cases was Jean-Marc Van Espen. Is this the explanation? Because we discovered later that the judge Jean-Marc Van Espen has a, a lot of links with Michel Nioul and his ex-wife, Annie Bouti. The sister of the judge is the godmother of Neil's son. That's, that's very strange. The cases had been placed at the bottom of a drawer and in your by Judge Van Espen. If he had be, not been arrested, Neil would never been judged for those uh, cases. Marie-Jeanne is pointing out that the Judge Van Espen was in a difficult position from the start 
as it could appear that he didn't pursue charges that should have already been brought against Nihul for fraud. This is the same judge who was originally responsible for the infamous Champignonier cold case. So when Regina Louf's interrogation pointed investigators back to this case, it went back to Judge Van Espen, who quickly moved to try to shut it down. The ex-gendarme, Aimé Bill, who was taken off of the Regina Louf case, still insists to this day that Judge Van Espen closed them down to protect Michel Nehul. So when the case of the Champignonier was open again, Jean-Marc Van Espen saw immediately that Nehul and Bouti were named by Regina Louf. And I suppose he, he was in danger because if those links were discovered by the, the gendarme, why didn't he tell those things sooner? So I think it was difficult for him to admit. Uh, I pub- published uh, a paper who proved that he was the lawyer of Annie Bouti in uh, the year 83. And a few days later, he decided to resign. I was able to track down the award-winning journalist Alenka Frankiel, who made a documentary about Belgium's X-Files for the BBC and wrote incisively about the affair in the Guardian newspaper. During her reporting, she actually met with Nihul and interviewed him. Well, I initially was sent over just after 9-11 to have a look into this bizarre story. Then the BBC decided to commission the film. So uh, one needed to be very, very careful not to get distracted from the main core of the story, which was to determine whether it was true, as the authorities claimed, that Dutroux was acting alone or whether he was part of a network which was being protected or covered up by those authorities. And pretty early on, the evidence brought me to the associates of Dutroux, which included Weinstein, who by then I think was dead, Lelievre, who I think by then at that time was in jail, and uh, Michel Nihul, who uh, was regarded as possibly the fixer and the person who had commissioned Dutroux to kidnap girls for others to use. So we interviewed various survivors and victims, uh, one of whom mentioned Nihul. Um, he'd been in, in trouble for various crimes. He'd spent some time in jail. Uh, but when I invited him, asked to meet me, it took a while as far as I remember, but he agreed and we met in a restaurant. And he walked in uh, with on crutches. He'd had some kind of, I think, medical treatment. He was a smallish, fat man, rather sweaty, but very enthusiastic to meet me and my team, my producer. And he uh, bustled in and roared, I am the monster of Belgium. It was a kind of a joke, I think he thought. And um, he was sort of enjoying the fact that we had sought him because of that, that he was the monster of Belgium. He was quite happy to say that. Of course, 
he denied any involvement in the crimes, but he also said that he didn't think he would ever come to court. No jury would ever be asked to decide whether he was guilty or innocent because he claimed that if that happened, he would name names and too many important people would be exposed so that the entire establishment in Belgium would ensure that he was never brought to trial. After he told me all this, I had asked whether he would consider doing an interview with us on camera. And he started to sort of be a bit playful and flirtatious and started to tickle me and started to push me over. And uh, I suddenly found myself sort of struggling to stay upright because he was pretty well on top of me in the booth in the restaurant where we were. And I had to push him off. I had to appeal to my colleague to help me get him off me. And uh, that once they'd done that, um, he announced that, yes, he would do an interview, but for a thousand pounds, I think it was. And I had to decline because we don't pay for interviews. And um, to be honest, I was pretty pleased to say goodbye. I think one of the most confusing aspects of this film and this story was that there was a lot of circumstantial evidence, a lot of horror, a lot of emotion attached to the events that had taken place, not just the killing of the young children or the killing of the older girls, the discovery of the, the two girls who were discovered alive, but also the number of people somehow circulating around this story who met their deaths very early in a mysterious way, I think there were nine or ten people. And, of course, it's a very difficult thing. You can't prove those links, but it felt extremely suspicious that so many people associated with the case were being wiped out. So wherever you went, nothing squared, but it, the problem with it was that there was a lot that was inconclusive. And therefore, when you obviously finish filming after your time is up and you don't have an open and shut case, it's quite frustrating. And it's interesting that all these years later, this case is still, in a sense, unresolved. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. It's almost here. The NYX Anniversary Sale starts this Thursday, May 9th at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. 
So mark your calendar this Thursday, May 9th for the NYX anniversary sale. Get 30% off all leak-proof underwear, shapewear, activewear, and more. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Don't miss this. There's another interesting detail again linking Nihul with a horrifying Champignonier case from the 80s. It's something almost no one knows about, even people with deep knowledge of the case. After the gruesome murder of Christine Van Hees, police found letters she'd exchanged with a man named Pascal Lamarck, who she'd met on a train shortly before her murder. Marie-Jeanne explains. Pascal Lamarck uh, is uh, another strange character in the entourage of Christine Van Hees, the, the victim of the murder of the Champignonnière. Um, it seems that they met on a train. Uh, it was in the fall of uh, 83, uh, a few months before uh, Christine's death. At that time, Lamarck was under a conviction that sent him to prison. So they exchanged a dozen letters. Uh, they only met one time, it seems. Much attention was paid to these letters between Christine and Pascal Lamarck because he was a known criminal with a long rap sheet. In the letters, Christine writes about having a difficult time and that she was going to leave and change her life. And she wrote, quote, I beg you, please don't ask me where I'm going, why I'm going, and why I won't be able to write you anymore, unquote. Pascal Lamarck was in prison at the time she was murdered, so he was ruled out as a suspect. But, uh, but what do we discover then? Pascal Lamarck was in fact um, a relation of Michel Nihoul. Uh, his name appears in a confidential Belgian state security document, which uh, exposes the connections of Michel Nihoul and Annie Bouti. And uh, the criminal record of Pascal Lamarck is the longest of all the people mentioned in this list. Uh, 11 convictions for theft with violence, uh, rape of minors, uh, and so on. So uh, we, we had uh, some uh, exchange with Pascal Lamarck in the, the years 98. And uh, he said, of course, he said uh, he has nothing to do with Christine's death. He was in prison. Um, and uh, he said he remember maybe Christine met Nihul in uh, the radio radioactivity where Nihul worked at the time. Although Nihul evaded justice for his presumed role in the Detroux affair and other sex trafficking accusations, I would have liked to question him directly about all this. But unfortunately, he died in 2019 of natural causes at the age of 78 years old. Examining Nihul's possible involvement with this affair is nonetheless still important because as I've said many times by now, he represents a potential link to a wider network. If the testimonies of Regina Louf, Annika Lucas, and several other ex-witnesses are true, he was a mid-level broker in something much larger. Although a larger cover-up and conspiracy may never be proven, there are definitely lower-level accomplices that have never been brought to justice. The balding man in his 50s who participated with Dutroux in the rape of the university student from Brussels back in the 1980s. The mystery surrounding the driver of the Red Ford Fiesta 
and the owner of the Hotel Brazil, who vanished and hasn't been seen in decades. After researching and reporting on this case for over two years, like many other people who've studied this affair, I simply cannot accept the official narrative. Where there's smoke, there's fire. And there's way too much smoke surrounding this affair to chalk it up to police incompetence and a large group of witnesses all supposedly lying about similar things. On the season finale of Le Monstre, I'll dig into what can still be done as we make efforts to tie up loose ends. So in the Dutour case, there is a police report stating the fact that 26 unknown DNA profiles were established. And I'll travel from Belgium to Brazil to Germany to track down a suspect who didn't want to be found. Le Monstre is a production of Tenderfoot TV and iHeartRadio, hosted and executive produced by me, Matt Graves. Produced by Thomas Resimont of Bubble Sound. Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay are executive producers on the behalf of Tenderfoot TV with producer Makeup and Vanity Set. Matt Frederick and Alex Williams are executive producers on the behalf of iHeartRadio with producer Trevor Young. Original music by Jay Ragsdale. Sound design by Cooper Skinner and Thomas Resimont. Mixed and mastered by Cooper Skinner. Cover design by Trevor Eiler. La Monstra includes archival audio from Sonuma RTBF archives and CNN archives. Special thanks to Beck Media and Marketing, Station 16, Jean Savigna, and the teams at iHeartRadio and Tenderfoot TV. Find us on social media at monster underscore pod. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio or Tenderfoot TV, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.